Okay, now for our main message this morning, it'll be brought to us by Mr. Ken Barton, and it's entitled, Why Wait? Good afternoon. It sounded like he said the main message. I'm having somewhat of a bad ear day, so this is not the main message. So why wait? Why put it off? Satan was having a meeting with all of his demons, and the main topic of discussion was that they were having trouble keeping people from accepting Jesus as Savior until one of the demons stepped up and said he wasn't experiencing that. When asked what he was doing, he said that he would get in a discussion with a person and then get him or to her into a discussion about serving God while tempting them with all the sinful actions that they could be doing. Then he would agree with them that they should accept Jesus. But he would tell them, you don't have to do it today. But God clearly warns us against that and about that. Hebrews chapter 3, verses 7 through 15. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, in the day of trial in the wilderness, where, my fathers, where your fathers tested me, tried me, and saw my works forty years. Therefore, I was angry with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. <clears throat> but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. While it is said today, if you will harden, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. If you ask someone if they think that everything is going well in today's world, I'm fairly certain they'll say no. Ask a Christian and they'll definitely say no. Most of them, I'm thinking, will say that we're getting very close to Christ's return. But I don't think they truly realize what that means, or a lot of us. That's the only reason I could think of as to why people are ignoring God's call to repentance, calls to repentance. It's either that, or perhaps they're just too overwhelmed. <clears throat> if you would, Brian. If it'll come up. Hey, there we go. This house burned about a month ago, month and a half ago. And except for boarding it up and a couple of other things, they haven't done anything else. It's sitting there. I can relate in a way. Thank you, Brian. I'm not the world's most organized person. Would you call that an understatement? Okay. As soon as Glenda quits laughing, I'll carry on. Um... Our garage, thanks to my aversion to getting rid of things that I may be able to use sometime later, and inheriting things from relatives who have gone on, it's become a mess. Recently, I've made a renewed attempt at cleaning it up. I'm gaining ground, but it's difficult. 
but it's also worth doing and it's necessary. We actually want to use the garage as a place to park a car, her car, by the way, in case you were wondering, <clears throat> and also to work on things. If it's full of stuff, that's not happening. But you know, it's not just things like our homes and our cars and stuff that get messy, is it? Our world has become very messy. Sin will do that, won't it? If you're not sure what I mean by messy, look up what's going on in San Francisco. People are walking around completely naked, going to the bathroom anywhere they want to. Right? In, we saw a picture of somebody in front of a cafe, the outside dining. Anyway. And they're not being arrested for that. They've quit enforcing those laws. It's so it's becoming the norm. The homeless situation, absolutely out of control. On June 28th, the Frontier a publication out of Oklahoma City published an article by Liz Exxon, Point in Time, and said the count shows that another rise in homelessness has happened in Tulsa. In the article, she states that there was a count taken in January of this year and that there were 987 more, or 987 homeless people in Tulsa, and that was an increase of 50 since the year before. And it's not just from laziness. You know, some, some of it comes too many bad things happening at once. They just, they just overwhelm, and they lose everything. Some of it's from mental illness, and that's just two possible causes. But it's a, problem, it's a problem all across our nation, north to south, east to west. I'm of the mind that some of it is caused by God trying to get our attention, <clears throat> trying to get people to turn back to him. He said he will punish us to get us to wake up, realize something's not going right, and turn to him. Also, I believe some of the problems could be demon possession. I don't know how to verify that. Unfortunately, there are many who are not interested at all, thank you very much, return to God or to turn to God. They want to be where they are. I've actually, you know, uh, watched a deal where uh, someone was talking about, and here in, it was a Tulsa, and said, there's, there's housing everywhere. There's places that people, homeless people can go. And this was a homeless person that was being interviewed. Is there's, all, there's all kinds of ways that they can get help. And so the reporter said, why aren't you living there? Oh, too many rules. I don't like that. So he's living homeless. <clears throat> Thankfully, I do know how to turn to God. My parents took me to church when I was little and had me anointed because I had been in an accident that caused me to have grand mal seizures and they were they were fierce I was healed in the name of Jesus and I've never had another seizure anointed with oil I was about five still remember it and thankfully I know how to read I've read the book I know how horribly everything's going to end. I know who wins, but I know who loses. And so does God. 
I think that's why he's been so very long-suffering toward us throughout time, because he doesn't want to lose any of us. God loves every one of us. Jesus died for each and every one of us. 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You hear these people say, well, it's been the same way forever. He ain't coming back. I've been going down this road with my eyes closed for, I don't know, four or five seconds, and ain't nothing happened yet. Something's going to happen, ain't it? So, are we in agreement that the Almighty Lord God wants all the people on this earth to repent of our sinful ways? Second Chronicles 7.14, one of my favorite. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Notice he's talking about his people. These are people who already know him. He's trying to get them to turn back. In his manual that he's given us, sometimes called the Bible, we're told to share his love with others. We are told to tell people about his son who died that we may live. Share the gospel, the good news. He started, God started building his own people with Abram. Through Abraham, he built a nation, his chosen people. And through that chosen people, he brought his son his only begotten son. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That son is Jesus. He started out with 12 people to spread the good news, with one of them being Judas Iscariot, called by Jesus the son of perdition. Then, after paying the ultimate price for all of our sins with his perfect and sinless life, he arose and went back to heaven. Acts chapter 1, starting at 9. Now when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they were looking steadfastly toward heaven as we, he went up, I can imagine that. I can picture it in my mind. Behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand here gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, who was taken up from you in heaven, will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. I'm thinking it's going to be a little more dramatic, but he will come back down. But he didn't just say goodbye and leave, did he? Well, I got to go. God's waiting on me. I'll see you guys later. He'd given them marching orders, as it were. <clears throat> that was the verse just before these in Acts 1.8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now, witness, according to Merriam-Webster, Witness, the word, attestation of a fact or event, testimony. 
one that gives evidence, specifically one who testifies in a cause or before a judicial tribunal, one who asked to be present, or one asked to be present at a transaction so as to be able to testify to its having taken place, one who has personal knowledge of something, Something's, and then something serving as evidence or proof or sign or public act affirmation by word or example of usually, usually religious faith or conversion. If you don't have it, it's hard to witness it. Jesus told them and through them us to be, wit be witnesses. Another word would be ambassadors because we are looking to a new world, aren't we? We're, we're wanting to tell people about the world to come. You guys may have heard that somewhere before. It's going to happen. It's a new government. It's a new, new thing. God's going to show up and he's going to take over. But it's going to be good. <clears throat> we are to witness about a new way of life when our Lord and Savior returns from heaven and places all things under him. We are to be sharing that good news. The news that Jesus Christ died for us, paid the price for our sins so that we can have life and have it more abundantly. How are we doing so far? Let's see. Millions of babies are being killed in their mother's wombs. God and Jesus are not allowed in most of America's educational institutions. Crime is rampant. I'm guessing we're not doing too well. Proverbs tells about people being too lazy to eat. Not too lazy to go and get food or even to cook it. Proverbs 19.24 The slothful man hides his hand in his bosom and will not so much as bring it to his mouth again. Proverbs 26.15 The slothful hideth his hand in his bosom. It grieves him to bring it again to his mouth. I'm telling you folks, that's stinking lazy. <clears throat> Is that it? Are we just too stinking lazy to feed on God's word so that we can learn from it, that we can learn it, and that we can grow in our relationship with him? And then in doing that, make a difference in the lives of others that we know, of everyone in this nation and in this world, because it's not just in this nation that God's judgment's going to fall on this next time. Or is it that we've gone too calloused? Do we not even care about doing what Jesus told us to do? Do we not care about trying to reach the lost in the world? Ah, they can take care of themselves. If they want to know about it, it's been around for 2,000 years. They can find their Bibles everywhere. But maybe they've been lied to, huh? <clears throat> do we not care about all the people who haven't even heard about God who don't know him about him let alone him have we lost our love for others Ezekiel 33 2 says son of man speak to the children of your people and say unto them when I bring a sword upon a land if the people of the land take a man of their coasts and set him for their watchman if when he sees the sword come upon the land, he blows the trumpet and warns the people, 
Then whosoever hears the sound of the trumpet and takes not the warning, if the sword come and take him away, his blood shall be upon his own hand, head. He heard the sound of the trumpet and took not warning. His blood shall be upon him. But he that takes warning shall deliver his soul. But if the watchman see the sword come and blow not the trumpet, and the people be not warned, if the sword come and take any person from among them, he's taken away in his iniquity. But his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. So you, O son of man, I have set you for a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore you shall hear the word at my mouth and warn them from me. When I say unto the wicked, O wicked man, you shall surely die if you do not speak to warn the wicked from this way, from his way. That wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at your hand. Nevertheless, if you warn the wicked of his way to turn from it, if he do not turn from his way, he shall die in his iniquity, but you have delivered your soul. Therefore, O son of man, speak into the house of Israel, unto the house of Israel, unto the house of America. I don't care what some people say, in my heart and in my mind we are a Christian nation. I can't say we are a devout Christian nation because we're not. We've fallen a long way or we wouldn't have these things that God warned us about would happen. Thus you speak, saying, if our transgressions and our sins be upon us and we pine away in them, how should we then live? Say unto them, as I live, says the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn you, turn you from your evil ways, for why will you die, O house of Israel, America? Do you think Ezekiel or Jonah or any of the other people that God called to be his witness could have said, well, it's just too big a job. I didn't have time. I didn't want to mess with it. I think that would work. We need to start, I believe, in our own hearts and in our own relationships with God. And then as we get that lined out and start walking in his word, he'll start showing us how we can reach out to others and be that watchman. He'll start opening our eyes. He'll start opening our hearts and he'll start opening our mouths. If we will be willing to do that. It may not us. Uh, I know this because Jesus has told us that he will never leave us or forsake us. It may not change the world. But it may. If it did, if there's revival, if people turn back, how wonderful would that be? But if not, as God told Ezekiel, his blood shall be upon his own hand, own head. Things are happening. I read an article the other day about holes that are opening up in the sea floors. They have no reason for it. And it's warming up the waters a lot in the Pacific. It's killing off fish. The cod has fallen dangerously low, possibly 
they're going to stop all fishing, just trying to leave enough for the animals. There's not enough for that. God's, God knows how he built it. He knows how he's going to take it out. <clears throat> but if they turn back to God, it's possible he will repent of what he's doing, what he's going to do. He's done it in the past. If not, at least those that turn back to him have turned back to him. That's God's timing is up to God completely. So that's what God tells us to do. Reach out to the lost. Spread the good news. And I want you to think of the difference that that can make to this world. Most of all, think I, want, I want you to think of the difference it can make in our world, in this church, and in our lives.